Welcome to the Open House podcast site, available at openhousecommunity.com.au. This Easter time, we, of course, mark Jesus' death by crucifixion, beaten by soldiers, whipped, stripped, and nailed to a cross, dying between two robbers. This man is the beginning, middle, and end of the Christian faith, with Jesus taking the fall for our sins. But a new book called The Cross is Not Enough suggests, probably controversially, otherwise, that if Jesus had not risen from the dead, if God's plan for redemption had ended at the cross, what would the Christian faith look like today? What a question. Authors Ross Clifford and Philip Johnson explore how the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the linchpin, they say, for every aspect of our living, thinking and doing, and the church has lost a sense of that bigger picture. Ross and Philip, welcome to Open House. Good to be with you, Lee. Good to be here. It's an absorbing question, especially at this time of the year. Thanks so much for coming in. Ross, where did you thinking about this start? Look, I've always spoken about the resurrection and understood it as key. But, Lee, I had a radio program on Sunday nights uh, a little while ago, and I remember a lady ringing me up towards the end of the program, and I just uh, played... uh, uh, Josh Groban, you raise me up. Okay. And, uh, you know, she said to me, Ross, my husband's passed away, and that's the song for myself and my daughters. I know it's not spiritual, but, you know, when I hear that song, I think of Jesus having raised up my husband and will raise us up to be with him forever. And, uh, you know, it brings me just a great hope and the real sense of faith that is certain. And I thought, mate, you've got to write about this. I mean, you've you've got to spell it out more. There'd be two groups of people i think one would find it perhaps a controversial thing which we'll explore the other group would say well of course they wouldn't be surprised at what you say yeah look i think so but i think what the church has failed to do is to show the expansive nature of the resurrection oh yeah it might just show me there's life after death or something like that but what we're saying in this book no resurrection no christian faith no hope and beyond that the resurrection shows that the whole of me is important to god the resurrection shows that the whole of creation is important to god the resurrection shows that jesus just didn't come to die he did that but to start a new day a new order a new creation a new way of being a new world yes it's exciting. It's good. I like it. <laughs> Philip, you say that the, the resurrection of Jesus is actually the linchpin of the Christian faith. But here's the question. Didn't Jesus save us by dying on the cross, wiping the slate free of sin and giving us a second chance? Uh, there's a, a, a measure of truth in that, yes. uh, but it's a half truth. And that is that um, because we celebrate Easter in two stages, Good Friday and Easter Sunday, We've tended to focus so much on Good Friday, the death of Christ, and not realize that, of course, the entire thing, in, when you read it through the scriptures, is, of course, a seamless event. Uh, we're, we're worrying about chronology. The thing that we need to note is that when you look at the proclamation of the gospel by Jesus' uh, original band of disciples, you read the book of Acts, uh, in all of the sermons and speeches that are made by the apostles, uh, the one thing they keep on emphasizing is the risen Christ is the one who has changed our lives. Uh, if you go searching for the number of times that the cross is mentioned in their speeches in Acts, it's less than that which is given to the resurrection. The resurrection is mentioned 100% of the 
time in all of the speeches. The cross is not. And then if you go to uh, one of the significant writers of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, uh, Paul makes it very, very clear in uh, his letter to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 15, that uh, unless Christ has risen from the dead, you're still in your sins and we are of all people most miserable. So that the clinch for uh, our forgiveness of sin is that it is guaranteed by the resurrection, not just the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. Because I suppose anybody could claim to be the Christ, die a death, and that's it. And there are plenty of martyrdom stories that one yes. can find in the world's religions. Yeah. Uh, so the, the, the distinctive feature that we get out of the message of the New Testament is that Christ is not a dead Messiah. He's a living, risen Messiah. And the key to it all, if you wish, uh, the mortar that holds all the bricks together in the Bible is the resurrection of Christ. But, Ross, you do recognize that this for some will be a controversial kind of emphasis. Look, it will be, Lee, because I think many of us have stopped at the cross we kind of get focused on that. You know, you take uh, movies and films like The Passion. You know, it kind of ends at the cross. They had to do a, a remake of the film and put this little scene in about the resurrection that Gibson didn't have in initially. And it stops there. But that's not the message of Jesus. That's not the New Testament. Jesus just didn't come to die. He came to be raised to new life, to bring us into that new life and that new hope. And it is controversial, but I challenge everyone out there to think, I mean, to what extent do we, you know, do we stop at the cross? And of course, early religious art didn't stop at the cross. It focused on the resurrection and the miracles of Jesus. Even the sign of the empty cross that many of us have was a sign of resurrection. He's not on that. And then in the Middle Ages, we start to put a crucifix and other things that have this dead man on the cross. It wasn't the heartbeat of the early church. So it might be controversial, but our claim is, and I think it's substantiated, that for many of us, we get the death of Jesus. We understand the death of Jesus dying for our sin, but we miss the richness of what the resurrection brings. Yes, when you see... Uh, the passion of the Christ, and when we contemplate, especially at Easter time, the death on the cross of Jesus, you're not underrating that or downplaying that. Oh, absolutely not. I mean, and it's important that we remember that and, and thank Jesus for what he did for us upon the cross. But, Lee, there's a new life. There's a hope. I mean, Christianity is not a somber faith. It's one of joy yes. and hope and yes. expectation and renewal and transformation. And and for people listening, you know, that's what we offer to you in the in the message of Jesus. Not only forgiveness, but a new life, a transformation, the risen Christ within. Yes. I mean, he came to bring a new way of living, a new people. He just didn't die and stop. Yeah. Philip, do you think there's any doubt about the resurrection of Jesus? We get into the history of this now. Uh, for myself personally, no. I've never held doubts about it, but I've always found it reassuring reading books by people who have had that struggle. Uh, what I do appreciate, of course, is the fact that it is a miracle, and for a lot of people it is a very puzzling thing. And so uh, one of the things which we try to address in the book, of course, are the kinds of questions that people would, would scratch their heads and be a bit sceptical about, and to say, well, what kind of evidence is there for the resurrection as a historical event? Mm. And we explore that by looking at circumstantial evidence and direct testimony from those who were in the original band of disciples that knew Jesus, and uh, to look at that and, and to ask ourselves a question, will that kind of information that we find in the New Testament relative to uh, the empty tomb and the people that saw the risen Jesus and touched him. Um, is that the kind of thing that one can uh, indeed have great certitude about? 
And the, the, the thing that we find from the New Testament is that, of course, unless Jesus has risen from the dead, then uh, the show is over. And so it is critical. Our faith doesn't rest on what my feelings might be about this message. No. It all rests on, did it actually happen? Yes. It, is, Ross, one of the most critical questions, did this happen? Is this fair income? And I doubted that at one stage, Lee. I was training okay. for the Baptist ministry, and I really doubted that Jesus was anything more than a human being. And so I was walking away from theological college and Bible college and giving it up. And I had to go back and look at the evidence. I came by providence across a book that uh, reminded me that there were many lawyers and historians that looked at this, saw it was reliable evidence in the New Testament, faithfully handed down. I mean, the Apostle Paul mentions over 500 witnesses in 1 Corinthians 15, as well as himself. And he's basically saying, here's a phone book. You know? yes. Here's a list of people. You've got any doubts? Give them a tingle. Give them a ring. Yeah. I mean, get them on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you don't do that stuff if you're inventing a story. I mean, Lee, it's just... It's just so strong. And you read the Gospels again. And 1 Corinthians 15 is interesting because I've debated uh, skeptics on this program. I debated an atheist on this program. And, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians 15, he had to admit it was written by Paul, the Apostle Paul. It's early. It's written by a person who saw the resurrected Jesus. So what do you do with this? You can't claim the church made it up or anything else. Everyone knows. Written early, written by Paul, recording witnesses, people who are doubters like himself and his brother James, as well as people who are part of the original team and disciples, all seeing this guy coming back to life. And what did that mean for them? New day, new hope. And of course, the interesting thing is Paul knew about the death of Jesus. Yes. But that didn't transform him. He became a persecutor of the church on the death of Jesus. But when he met the risen Lord, Paul was never the same again. And it's the risen Lord that we take to people. Yes. On Open House, we're with Ross Clifford and Philip Johnson, authors of The Cross is not enough, which on the face of it might sound like a controversial thing to deal with this Easter. Guys, you've explored many of the theories about the human afterlife, which I think people are always fascinated with. What are some of the most common beliefs and what's a Christian's view of the afterlife? Because there is this broad kind of Hollywood notion of we just hmm. go to this floating on clouds <laughs> playing harps yes. thing. Well, uh, amongst the, the smorgasbord of views, uh, you've got uh, folk beliefs in surviving as ghosts, uh, disembodied spirits, and that's the kind of thing you sometimes get uh, portrayed even in things like Bugs Bunny cartoons. <laughs> uh, we also have reincarnation as a, a very significant paradigm for a lot of people, uh, people that are exposed to Buddhist and Hindu teachings, uh, but also in the West uh, through uh, New Age spirituality. A lot of people believe that I die, my spirit will be recycled and re be re-embodied as another person. Uh, for uh, others, um, there's uh, hope expressed that perhaps somehow we will survive death uh, once we master uh, the secrets of DNA. And you get this sort of thing expressed in things like Robocop, the cyborg. Um, and there's this uh, great sense in which people are saying, look, no to death. We do want to survive. We may not be entirely sure the, the nature of it, but people are prepared to say, well, maybe I'm a ghost. Maybe I'll get recycled in reincarnation. Maybe medicine and technology have the answers. But there's this say, stubbornness of saying no to the grave. Yeah. For the Christian... Uh, if you're going to take the New Testament seriously, of course, uh, the options of uh, medical survival, reincarnation and ghosts just don't cut the rug. What you do get, of course, affirmed is that 
the entire person, holistically, mind, body, soul, uh, will be raised complete. Uh, We will be restored uh, to what God intended us to really be. And this is uh, foreshadowed, of course, in the person of Jesus Christ, is that Jesus is referred to as the first fruits of the harvest. So we look to Jesus first to see what is this resurrection about. And the New Testament then talks about that uh, come the end of time, all those that put their lives and trust in him will look forward to being raised as whole people just like him. So I would understand the spectator of the Christian faith saying, how on earth will that happen? You mean I die, I get buried? rot away my physical presence or be cremated but i'm back somehow this is the interesting thing is that uh unlike being a ghost where the body doesn't matter reincarnation you're hopping from one lifetime to the next and so on uh the uh the body is not as important. There is this, if you wish, immaterial side to you, uh, call it spirit, call it soul, whatever. What the New Testament itself makes quite clear is that uh, actually the body does mm. matter. And because the resurrection speaks of the body being raised, all of me being raised, conscious, aware, uh, and in a relationship with, with God and the rest of uh, those who are raised, is that this impinges on my attitudes in the here and now. If the body is important to God that all of me will be raised at the end of time, then what does this say about how I should live my life now? Hence, being the Mother Teresa figure in the streets of Calcutta to meet the person who is there dying on the rubbish dump. Uh, You just don't get that kind of compassion if you're going to be a ghost. Yes, Mm. Ross. Yeah, look, that's really key about what the resurrection means. It just doesn't mean that Jesus beat death. It says something about who we are. God loves the whole of me. I, all of, all of me, every part of me is important to God because I'm going to be raised up like Jesus. I mean, changed, transformed, it's a miracle. But God takes this connectionly between who I am now, all of me, and who I'll be in eternity. As it was for Jesus, so it'll be for me. And as we explore in the book, there's no other understanding of life after death that is in any way as empowering as that. Not part of me survives, all of me survives. It's transforming How about how I live my life and how I care for other people. It's interesting the number of ways in which we appropriate that, especially at funerals. I can't Mm. tell you the number of funerals I've been to where people who would often defiantly oppose the Christian faith and want nothing to do with it, they will, through the service that's held for them or their relatives and expectation, Mm. they've gone to a better place. Mm. We're good at saying no to death Mm. and try to appropriate that for ourselves. Look, we are, and I I think you're quite right. I find it interesting, though, when we share with uh, people who don't go to church, don't have a church background, as uh, Philip and I do often, um, they they get this, mate. They get the sense that resurrection is about the whole of me, saying no to death. They hear that message, and they realize that this is just an empowering, uh, holistic understanding of life. In your book, you've outlined what you call 12 resurrection zones for living. Can you just quickly run through some of those for us. Well, that includes God cares for the whole of me. That's what the resurrection shows. It also shows that we have a way of life. We have values. We have ethics that we can live by because if Jesus is 
the one who is resurrected, then we can trust what he says about the Bible, that it's faithful, the Ten Commandments are right. We have his teaching of the Sermon on the Mount that we can follow. He's not a dead guru. This is God's uh, God's advice to us on how to live. So not only does God care for the whole of me, we've got ways of living life. It also shows that if Jesus is risen, then I don't walk alone. I have a risen God, a one who lives within me and goes before me like that old poem footprints used to say you know i've got one who carries me when it's when it's tough and is with me all the time so all of those are incredible truths i've got forgiveness i can be absolutely certain about forgiveness his death on the cross did the trick and we all struggle with sin and mistakes i can be forgiven it also shows me that i'm part of a new community lee i mean if jesus is raised he's called a new community into being just not a leagues club or a footy club it's a community that has the risen lord as its head who's pouring out his spirit into that body a community that loves you know all people that has a sense of caring for the whole person. Uh, it's empowered. It's gifted. It's exciting. <laughs> I say, bring it on. You know, <laughs> what a tear. Some of the days you have, you think, well, please bring it on. Mm. Resurrection zones, Philip? Well, also, uh, we have uh, as a great point of discussion uh, the whole sense in which uh, the earth matters to God as well. And this means that uh, in the resurrection, the resurrection is not just about human beings raised from the dead. The resurrection is affirming part of uh, what God has foreshadowed, namely that there is to be a new earth, new heaven, new earth. And the emphasis on the new earth is that this world is also going to undergo transformation so that uh, you will find in the new earth mountains, rivers, trees, birds, animals. Uh, the resurrection has an effect which is cosmic. Now, the Apostle Paul, when he writes one of his letters, uh, the epistle to the Romans, Romans 8, talks about how the whole of the creation is groaning, waiting for our transformation. And uh, throughout other parts of the Bible, there's this whole vision of the world itself being renewed, uh, animals worshipping God, the whole creation praising God. It's not just that it's an anthropocentric or human-centered message. Yeah. This has a cosmic effect. And it has a cosmic effect that the world to come is this world renewed and transformed. Then it also means how I behave in the here and now and how we handle the earth's resources, how we treat animals is all very much what we think of Jesus Christ risen from the dead. If we trash this planet like the tenants from hell, we really don't respect the landlord. Yeah. Ross. Yeah, look, I couldn't agree more. And if Jesus is risen, Lee, it tells us that we have the face of God. I wish I had a dollar for everybody who says, what does God look like? Mm, well, if yes. Jesus is risen, we have God with us. And therefore, we see the compassion and the love and the mercy and the grace in this guy is really the compassion, mercy and grace of the Lord God. And I mean, that's exciting. I mean, we need to remember, though, that if Jesus is risen, as Paul says in Acts 17 in his famous speech, that there will be a day of judgment, that he is the risen Lord. And he came first to bring us a message of salvation and a new community. But he is coming again. And he's going to come again to judge us on how we've responded to this remarkable gospel, this remarkable message, his life. So does that mean I just live a good life as much as I can? Well, you can't do that. And uh, that's the message. You know, we can have a lot of good people trying to do a lot of good things. But all of us fail. All of us make mistakes. All of us do things we regret. All of us want forgiveness and new hope and restoration. And the message of Jesus is that that is in me. 
your forgiveness is in, in is in me not not all the sort of things you might try to do to be forgiven it's in my death upon the cross for you and my resurrection seals it what an exciting message mate it just yeah. takes it takes all that away it's such a perspective at easter time and yet for those who might say if only i could grasp that how do they get their mind around what jesus says i suppose i'm always the pragmatist what do you do with that I think uh, for those who ask that sort of question, it's remembering who we are. We're God's creation. We've made for a special purpose. And we know that at times we fail and we muck up. And life is not what it appears to be at times. What if the Lord God came in to be one of us that took away our sin, our guilt, our fears, and gave us a taste of what the restored creation is like, gave us a taste of who we really can be in all our potential with his spirit in our life and living the life that he has called us to live and empowers us to do that in the resurrection. That's happened. Yeah. Philip, if I don't have that, I might yearn for it. How do I do it? Mm. For some people, they might actually uh, intuit it uh, from sources outside the Bible. Uh, one of the interesting things has been is how um, in, in art, in music, uh, novels and films, uh, there are uh, hints, motifs of the resurrection. Um, clearly, if we were to look at something like um, The Lord of the Rings, for example, uh, you have the significant figure Gandalf the Wizard, who dies and rises again from the dead, and he takes on immortal characteristics. Uh, Aslan, out of the Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, Harry is a, Potter is a Christ figure. Harry yes, Potter is yes, another. Yeah. Um, you even have uh, in in science fiction the character Doctor Who. He dies and rises again from the dead with each regeneration. Universal longing, and that's one of the interesting things. Then is that um, there's this expression that people. Uh, may find that they resonate with this. It's so not that, new to us. It's not no, new. No. It's, it's familiar and it turns up in all sorts of guises. And the question is, well, then how do I appropriate this? Well, it does come down to is um, move from Aslan, move from Gandalf, move from Doctor Who and go to the figure of Jesus and there you will find uh, the answer that you, you, you are seeking. You've got to fall in love with this guy uh, and realise that uh, if you entrust yourself to him, he is basically saying to each and every one of us, give me your life, your breath, your, the totality of your being. Just trust me. Trust me. Yeah. Follow me. I'll not mm. forsake you. I won't abandon you. And I'm there even in the deepest, darkest moments when you feel the whole universe has abandoned you. And not only am I there in those deep, dark moments, I'm there as... Uh, the bubbles in the lemonade. I'm the effervescent one who gives you the life. I've never heard it put like that before. <laughs> that was Philip. <laughs> you heard it here first. Yeah. We, we, our lives are going to percolate with energy. There's divine energy. And this is imparted to us by the spirit of the resurrected mm. Jesus. And that he will wrap us up in his love and carry us through day by day. What a marvellous Easter message. Gentlemen, thank you so much indeed for joining us on Open House. Ross Clifford and uh, Philip Johnson, authors of The Cross Is Not Enough. Thanks again. Thanks, Thank Luke. you. We hope you enjoyed this Open House podcast. Thanks to Christian Super and Real World Technology Solutions. To hear more from Open House, visit openhousecommunity.com.au.